It was just another day in that tiny village of Nazareth, probably hardly known by anybody. If you'd said to anybody, uh, can you direct me to Nazareth, they would hardly have known where Nazareth was. Probably just a population of about two to 400 people at the most. But there was a carpenter who worked in the village. Uh, he had a son called Joseph. Joseph worked in the carpenter's shop. There was a God-fearing family in the village with a teenage girl called Mary. And she was betrothed to Joseph, the carpenter's son. <coughs> On earth, then, Mary and Joseph are living their normal routine daily life. Joseph is getting up in the morning, early in the morning, as carpenters do, Richard will tell you that, uh, to get on with his work, making plows or whatever the order of the day was. Mary was helping round the home uh, with her mum, undertaking all the daily duties. In heaven, Gabriel, who we read stands in the very presence of God, was receiving a message from God. And God was going to send him with a message to Mary. And this is how this announcement is brought to this teenage girl. So, we're talking about the announcement. So, if you're at school, can you unscramble our first anagram? Something to do with the announcement. Now, this is a hard one. Any older ones then help us? Come on, you intelligent young men up there. Sorry? It starts with A. If that helps. AST. Who said that? Astonishing. Well done. You can go to the top of the class. Right. So can you turn that round then, please? Both of you can do it, and then one of you can hold the paper. That's it. Well done. Astonishing. An astonishing announcement. Mary receives this visit from Gabriel. Now, I'm sure none of you think angels have wings. They don't. In fact, many times in the Bible, people often thought, mistook an angel for an ordinary man. But I'm absolutely sure that just like those angels who appeared to the first arrivals at the tomb, that Gabriel would have been absolutely shining with God's glory. We know with Moses, when he came down from the mountain, having been in God's presence, his face shone with the glory of God. So here's Mary, confronted suddenly in her normal routine life by this angel who comes and announcing himself to her. And she's totally perplexed, totally astonished. Now I'm sure you've had times in your life when you've been astonished by something happening or haven't been able to cope with it. It may be Aunt Matilda coming from Australia who was due next week you suddenly get an announcement from her that she's arrived at the airport. Or if you're teenagers, older teenagers who've been left home for a few days while your mum and dad are away, 
and you're leaving all the washing up to that very last minute and suddenly dad phones you up and says oh by the way we're coming home a day early um, we can get shocking and sudden announcements and this one for Mary must have been quite astonishing for her and particularly when Gabriel comes to the point where he says behold you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus now that must have been quite an astounding announcement but this wasn't the first time this message had been given Jesus says in John 8 your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad and we know that Abraham, Moses, David all knew that Messiah was coming so this wasn't as it were the first announcement of this uh, surprising event they knew God was going to send a great salvation now we know many in Israel had this idea of some Messiah to save them from the Roman occupation but there were those who had a better understanding. We know that because in the temple when Jesus was taken up there as a baby, there were Simeon and Anna who both understood what Jesus was doing, in what God was doing in sending his son into the world. And undoubtedly there were other godly souls. Many suggest Mary would have been around 15 years old. And we know from what uh, Jonathan told us this morning, she must have been very well taught in the scriptures, in the home. So the appearance of an angel, although it must have been a shock, must have really triggered a lot of thoughts in her mind. But we have to take note that Mary is the first person that ever hears the word Jesus. Mary was the first person that ever hears the word Jesus. Various interpretations, but one is Yahweh will save. God saves. God is my salvation. In other words, it was very clearly God's message of salvation. She hears the message that this great salvation was coming into the world through a baby born in Bethlehem <coughs> uh, named Jesus, although she hadn't been told it was Bethlehem yet. He is the I Am who is descending into time and space. So in a sense, she is the very first person, you can disagree with me afterwards if you want to, uh, to, who hears the gospel as we hear it today. And if we listen, as we read this morning, her psalm of praise, perhaps we can even call her the first Christian. So the first person who received the good news by faith was a 15-year-old unwed mother, which well, she would be a mother. Her response tells us something of what the Christian faith is. She hears the message and responds to it with reasoned faith. She hears the message and responds to it with reasoned faith. Are we this Christmas still absolutely astonished that the eternal, infinite God who created all things should clothe himself in humanity? This is absolutely incredible. You look at the sky at night, 
on a dark, in a dark place where you can actually see the whole sky, just a milk, milky colour of all the millions of stars. And you just try and comprehend God. It's awesome. But he humbled himself and came into the world. The Apostle Paul is reckoned to have one of the greatest intellects of all time. Yet he writes to Timothy, This is the great mystery of our faith. God was revealed in a human body. This is the great mystery of our faith. God was revealed in a human body. So let's take this astonishing announcement further. So what is our second word, girls? All right. There you have the anagram. Much easier one. Although not a common word today. Anybody up there? It obviously starts with D. Kieran. Divine? Yeah, absolutely right. Well done. I haven't got anything to throw at you. <laughs> but imagine I have. Have a chocolate. <laughs> right. He will be divine. Can you turn it over then? And then we'll have our second point. He will be divine. Gabriel says... He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. The Holy One who is to be born will call, be called the Son of God. Is it surprising that Mary just couldn't grasp the reality and immensity of this message? The baby, God himself, not just a holy person. How can this be? As the angel proceeds, maybe the things he was telling Mary began to tr trigger truths she'd been taught as a child. She'd learned that the prophecy that King David had been promised a descendant who would reign on his throne forever. And the angel says, The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So Mary now was putting two and two together, all these thoughts jumbling over in her mind. So we know Mary had this deep understanding of scripture. Would she have brought to mind God's covenant with David? God said to David many years earlier, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. Was her young mind now grappling with this great reality? that this baby will be the fulfilment of God's covenant with David. Not just live forever, but reign forever. Huge questions must have been jostling for space in her thinking. The son of the highest. Live forever? Reign on the throne of David forever? The most high will become a child? Certainly, an astonishing announcement. Let's now consider our third word. Starts with V. Now this is a very hard one, so adults can help if they can. I'm going to show you all up. I wouldn't have been able to do it. 
starts vulnerable. Who said that? Oh, well done, Daniel. Right. Vulnerable. Yes, vulnerable. Question, what's the opposite of vulnerable? Thank you. What's the opposite of vulnerable? Safe. We're invulnerable is the obvious one, is an opposite of vulnerable, but safe is a very safe is a very good one. Safety. God has forever, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, had dwelt in total invulnerability. Nothing could touch them, nothing could threaten them. They were invulnerable. But now God was making himself vulnerable by coming into this world. Gabriel is saying the son of the highest <coughs> will become a child. Now what can be more vulnerable than a little child? Let alone a human being. We're all here tonight. We feel vulnerable, don't we? The almighty God became vulnerable for you and me. The one who created heaven and earth will be held in the mother's arms. The God of the Bible makes himself vulnerable. Vulnerable to being attacked by Satan. He was attacked. Vulnerable to hunger and thirst. He did suffer hunger. Vulnerable to being betrayed. He was betrayed. Vulnerable to being tortured. He was tortured. Vulnerable to being killed. He was crucified. Why did he become vulnerable? That he might become the sinner's substitute. The hymn writer says, Bearing shame and scoffing rude in my place, Condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Paul writes, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Before time began, the eternal Son of God covenanted with the Father, to surrender his invulnerability as he committed himself to come to earth in the likeness of man. In other words, he said, not my will, but yours be done. He took his hands off his own life and surrendered it to the Father's will. Before time began, the eternal Son of God covenanted with the Father to surrender his invulnerability as he committed himself to come to earth in the likeness of man. In other words, he said, not my will, but yours be done. He took hands off his own life and surrendered it to the Father's will. Please don't let any of us take this, let his vulnerability just be a concept to us, but take it to heart. Almighty God, the creator and designer of everything, became vulnerable for you and me, out of love. Surely then, with his enabling grace, we must be prepared to become vulnerable. 
who brings God's grace to the dying, just as he did. We totally surrender ourselves to the will and purpose of God in our lives. We take our hands off our own life, placing it in the hands of a loving, caring father. Perhaps it sounds scary to you, taking your hands off your own life, giving your life to God and saying, do with me what you will. Just remember, God is a loving father. What could be safer than surrendering your life into the hands of a loving father. <coughs> With this mindset, it will be easier to take criticism, to be overlooked, and to be discounted for him. You might say, but wasn't Jesus able to walk through danger? Surely he wasn't vulnerable. Now, Jesus did various signs which showed he was the son of God. But the rest of his life, he lived his life with the same spiritual protection that you and I have, totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit, upon the protection that you and I daily have. He could not have been our substitute if he hadn't. So this astonishing announcement says, this baby is God, he will live forever and reign forever. In Jesus, God will become vulnerable to accomplish our salvation. So it's time to stand and sing. Number five in the supplement. which ties in well, come behold the wondrous mystery in the dawning of the king, he the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity, humanity, in our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. Look to Christ who condescended, took on flesh to ransom us.
meditated a little on this astonishing announcement. This baby is God. He will live live forever and reign forever. In Jesus, God will become vulnerable to accomplish our salvation. Now we're going to consider Mary's response. Her mind must have been absolutely tumbling over with thoughts and questions. So what's our fourth word, please, girls? It obviously starts with E. I like giving you those clues. Inquiry. Well done. You're not a schoolboy. <laughs> <laughs> inquiry. Well done. Yes, inquiry. I'd like to add another word to that. Trusting inquiry. It was a trusting inquiry, lots of questions, but believing questions. Mary did not just turn her mind off. Mary's mind was flooded with questions. Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? Notice the phrase, how can this be? Yes, I believe what you tell me, but how? How? So in many words, Gabriel says, Mary, you're not going to need a husband. Well, Mary thinks, what? The angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you in such a way that the child in your womb will not just be a holy person, but the Holy One himself, taking human form. She responds in faith, but her mind is in gear. Faith in Christ is not intellectual suicide. Faith is always linked to reason. The world thinks that Christians have a blind faith. In fact, the opposite sometimes is sadly true. Whilst we have been trained not to believe in the supernatural, Mary would have grown up with the absolute persuasion that God could not possibly become man The barriers to trust that she faced were the same that we face today. But the combination of evidence and belief led to her full surrender. Now you will remember how John the the Baptist's father, Zacharias, when the angel told him that his wife, who was very old, would have a baby, he was filled with unbelief. And he said to the angel, how can I, in so many words, how can I believe this? How can I believe this? And he was struck mute. But the angel blesses Mary. The astonishing announcement then says, this baby is God, he will live forever and reign forever. In Jesus, God will become vulnerable. And Mary makes trusting inquiry. How can this be? But there is another challenge to tradition for Mary. 
So what's our fifth word? Starts with M. That's easy. Definitely school children this time. Maybe? It starts with N. N. Abby? Name. Name. Well done. You would have thought Mary had enough to occupy her mind without another bombshell. You will call his name Jesus. Why is that a big issue? Why is that a big issue for a Jewish young lady? Well, in Jewish society, names were incredibly important, giving a sense of identity and very often giving a sense of prophecy. Names were very important, but we see in the Bible that it was often the custom for the mother to have a big say in the naming of a child. We know Hannah named Samuel. Rachel names Benoni. She died and her father didn't like that name, so he changed the name to Benjamin. But we see that thread, and she would have fully expected to have the right to call the child a name. But God says no. The angel says no. You are to call his name Jesus. Today, many people think they have the authority to name Jesus. Many people think they have the authority to decide who Jesus is. But they can't. His identity is settled. He is the Son of God. His name is Jesus. Jehovah saves. But with this growing understanding that Almighty God was speaking to her, this was another piece of information to ponder. Yes, Mary, parents normally have a right to name their child, but not this child. He will not be your servant. You will be his servant. Now, Mary didn't need to be told what the name of Jesus would mean. God is salvation, and no doubt Mary ponders, and she must have pondered this by just reading the Magnificat, as we call it. Mary ponders and says, yes, God is my salvation. And Mary says, Behold, I am the handmaiden of my Lord. So what is our final word? Please, another easy one. Yes, Colin. Trust. Yes, well done. Absolutely right. That was quick, wasn't it? Must be the record this evening. Mary says, Behold, I am the handmaiden of my Lord. She knows what she's getting into. She has counted the cost. I will be counted promiscuous. Having a baby and I'm not married. It's okay. The child will be illegitimate. It's okay. I will live a life of disgrace. I'll take it. She is taking her hands of her life. She is totally surrendering to the will of God, her Saviour. 
She says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. Can you think of someone else in the Old Testament who did this? Said, Yes, Lord, take my life, hands off my life. Abraham. At God's command, Abraham left his home country, not knowing where he was going. He took his hands of his life. Ultimately, Christ in the garden said exactly the same thing. Not my will, but yours be done. Anyone who wants to be a Christian must say, If you are my Saviour and Lord, I take my hands off my life. No more conditions. I will follow you, although I don't know where I am going, and I will be content. This young woman was bottom of the social hierarchy, but she humbled herself and became a servant and has become one of the greatest examples of faith of all time. Another person who had an astonishing encounter was Pilate. Jesus said to him, You are right. I am a king. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Now, Pilate had not got where he was without being a shrewd and skillful politician. He knew all about Jesus, and now he is face to face with, face with this man who has caused such a stir in the province with the mighty miracles he'd done. He fully realised why the chief priests wanted him dead. He knew this was a total setup. And now eyeball to eyeball with Jesus, Jesus tells him that his kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. I believe Pilate had been totally persuaded of the integrity of Christ and that he should be released. But he failed. He counted the cost of what was right and his courage left him. He failed. He counted the cost of doing what was right and his courage left him. He was not willing to take his hands off his life as Abraham had done, as Mary had done and as God, Christ was doing. Pilate goes down in history for all the wrong reasons. Like Pilate, there are many who are shrewd and intelligent enough not to buy the nonsense that all roads lead to heaven. They have realised that one way must be right and the rest wrong. They have realised, they've considered the resurrection and come to the conclusion that many sceptics have come to, that the evidence points to the bodily resurrection. And if any of you are interested, I've got one more copy of who Moved the Stone by Frank Morrison. Frank Morrison was a journalist who went out to Palestine to write a book to disprove the resurrection. He ended up writing a book supporting belief in the resurrection. It's a great help. I'd recommend it. There's one copy there if anybody would like it. So these people have narrowed the options down and they have already been convinced that peace with God and and attainment of heaven are only through Christ alone maybe somebody here like that you've gone as far as that 
You're convinced that peace with God and heaven are attained through Christ alone. They are persuaded that only those who take their hands off their lives and trust in him are the only ones who will be received into heaven. But like Pilate, the cost now is too great. Mary surrendered her life to God long before she came to know that Jesus would do everything for her to an infinitely great degree. Jesus took his life off his hands off his life. Your will, not mine, he said. She did it not knowing what Jesus would do. We have the advantage of looking back at what Christ did for all who trust in him. Who said these words? He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Somebody? Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot. Thus spoke this intelligent young student, Jim Elliot, in his journals, who later laid down his life endeavouring to reach the orcas for Christ. He went to glory on January the 8th, 1956, aged 28, on the banks of the Carare River in Ecuador. If anybody would like to see just a facsimile of a part of his journal, I've got that there. That's what he actually wrote in his daily journal. Now you've all heard, we've all heard another astonishing announcement. Christ is risen. Be like Mary. Make serious inquiry. Take your hands off your life and have encountered the cost place your trust in Jesus, remembering he did just that for you. Can you sing from your heart what will be our final hymn? Thy way, not mine, O Lord, however dark it be. I wonder if Mary could have sung that. I'm sure she could. She had no idea at this time how dark her life might be. Imagine Mary seeing her son hanging on the cross. Simeon said to her, when he took baby Jesus, he said, a sword will pierce your heart also. Thy way not mine, O Lord, however dark it be, lead me by thine own hand, choose out the path for me. Smooth let it be or rough, it will be still the best. Winding or straight it leads, right onward to thy rest. Let's pray. Almighty God, we come this evening and we each one need to just once again, Almighty God, face up to the realisation of your wonderful grace to us, that you came to this earth and became vulnerable even to the death of the cross, that you might redeem us. Help us like Mary to say, behold, your servant. Lord, help us to surrender our lives fully to you this evening taking our hands off our lives and trusting our lives to you, a loving God, whatever that may cost. It may cost going to the mission field. It may cost going and helping down and outs in London. It may cost just ordinary routine living for Jesus day by day. But Lord, we just pray. You'll help us each, Lord, this night once again 
to count the cost and take our hands off our own lives. For some young people, it may be very, very difficult choices. But Lord, we just pray you'll give them the grace to recognise indeed that you were worth it because you did it for them.